0: Have you ever had someone slander you? I'm sure you have. And the sad reality is sometimes it happens with people that we least expect. Well, in today's passage in James chapter 4, we're going to be looking at two verses, 11 and 12. And there we will see that James emphasizes three key relationships that we need to get right here on earth. So turn to James chapter 4 and let's get into it. What's up, my friends, I pray you guys are blessed in the Lord. So good to be with you guys here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. As we continue our study here in the book of James, this is podcast 153. And today's title is Three Relationships to Get Right Here on Earth. And as I mentioned in the opening, we're going to be looking at James chapter 4 verses 11 through 12. So if you have a Bible handy, let's go ahead and turn there as we're going to be breaking down this particular passage. Now, there's a lot to be said in even these two little verses. So even though we won't be covering a lot of the text in the book of James, we're gonna be focusing in on, as we do here on the podcast, verse by verse to go deeper into the scripture to do the best we can through the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit using proper hermeneutics as we make interpretation in the original language, looking at the geography, looking at the audience, trying to understand. Again, knowing there are limits. And sometimes I will just be flat out and say, I have no clue what this particular passage is trying to say. Allow me to give you some maybe uh, variations, uh, different interpretations. Let me give you different approaches or ideas that people have, some speculation. But today's passage is pretty straightforward. And it has to do with relationships. And I want you guys to stop and think, whatever you're doing right now, and you wonder, well, you know, now that I'm listening to this right now, What are three relationships that I need to get right on earth? Now, you probably quickly saying, I know one, my relationship with God, and you would be correct. That is definitely a relationship, the primary relationship that you need to get right with God. A second one, you look around thinking if you're married, my spouse and my children, uh, people in my church, my family members, etc. Yes, that's the second relationship. We need to have good relationships with other people, particularly our spouse, if we're married. So, yes, that is the second relationship that we need to get right on earth. The third, you might be wondering, well, what is the third? If it's God and people, what is the third? Well, it's to the royal law, it's to the scripture itself. Now, as a Christian, when we think of the word law, we have the idea of law within us. We may immediately go to the book of Romans and think, well, we've been saved from the law. We're not saved by the law. You know, you look at Galatians and we're gonna be talking about Galatians. I'm actually studying that right now and we'll be, you know, going into that particular book in the next few weeks and I'm looking forward to that. And so definitely Galatians talks about being free from the law. So you say, well, Jay, why do we have a relationship with the law, if we've been saved by grace? That's a great question. And so we'll be looking at that in this passage. Now, before we do dive in, I just want you guys to know that if you are listening to this podcast and you've been listening to it for quite some time, and one of the reasons I want to just tell you, uh, several of you guys, we've gotten some email wondering what's up with the podcast. And you're right, I have not recorded in the last two weeks in the studio because of travel. And I just finished... Uh, my latest book that will be coming out spring of next year, with focus on the family, parenting Gen Z, and so usually when I are, are working with major deadlines, unfortunately, you know I put a pause on some travel, uh, interviews, and sometimes recording. Unfortunately, uh, depending on just the schedule, and so I have just been completely uh, in you know involved with major uh, writing. And research. But luckily, you know, thank the Lord I should say, we finished the manuscript and we're going through the next phases. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. And so because of that, a lot of my brain power and attention has been focusing on the book itself. And so I it's been a bummer to kind of neglect a little bit of the podcast. But we're here now and I'm glad to be here. And it's just exciting to continue our study here in the book of James. But I want to mention just something as as you know, you listen. And, you, and again, my, to my faithful listeners, I and mean, we're in this together, again, we are here to stand strong in God's word. There's a lot of temptation out there. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of suffrage that people are are undergoing, a lot of pain and doubt and regret. And so we need to make sure that we're being prayed for. So if you have a prayer request, if you have a biblical, theological, philosophical question, a moral question, you can email me at info at I'll pray. I'll pray for you. My wife, I sometimes, often, will share with her the things that come into the ministry. People that are struggling, people that are reading some of the books. I recently had a woman who wrote in, who read Abandoned Faith, and just has two children who are lost. And I've been praying for her, and... Just, it breaks my heart to hear what some of our listeners are going through. And then there's the amazing emails that come in, people communicating, letting us know how they're growing in their faith, how they are sharing their faith, defending their faith. So even if you have a answer to, you know, like an answered prayer, you just want to celebrate and let me know maybe how this podcast has blessed you, please don't take don't don't think that I don't care. I love hearing from you guys, and if you have a question, you know there's articles at standstrongministries.org. You go to my YouTube channel, Jason P Jimenez. Uh, check out those videos that we put up there. We're trying to put out uh, weekly content more and more. If you haven't got my latest book, "Challenging Conversations," a practical guide to to you know discuss controversial topics in the church you can go to Amazon check that out as well so guys we have resources to help you stand strong not just in the word and your understanding and knowledge of, of scripture and using it as your shield right to fight against uh, the enemy and the darkness that prevails this world but also to stand strong in your faith by taking a hold of these resources that we make available for you guys because as you know here in the ministry That that phrase, stand strong, is, is emphasizing to embolden, to strengthen you guys, to resist whatever you're undergoing, but also for you to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will face opposition. There will be people who will stand against you, my friends. And so, as we do talk about slander today, if you are someone who tends to rip on people without giving them the benefit of the doubt or think less of people. I pray that you would listen up to today's message in the scriptures today. If you are somebody right now who has been slandered, someone has put out lies on social media or whatever, your work, school, perhaps maybe even a loved one and they betrayed your trust, I pray you listen up as well. You know, I have been in ministry for a long time now. Over half of my life has been devoted to the cause of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm so, so blessed and thankful for the support, prayers, friendships, teammates, colleagues that I have, my wife, just exercising, using the gifts for the glory of God, just the lessons I've learned But I will tell you guys, as I even look at this passage too, I don't want you guys feeling like I'm removed from it. Like I can't relate. Oh, I can relate. I've had many people in ministry who've backstabbed me. Who've put words in my mouth. And it's not easy, is it? So I need to hear this. And I pray that as we go through this, that this will encourage all of us in God's word. So let's pray. I feel like we need to pray as we dive into scripture. Lord Jesus, we do pray. I pray for my brothers and sisters listening. Wherever they're listening. God, we have people in Japan, South Africa, Denmark, Canada, England, all over the United States listening. And so many other countries. God, thank you for the body of believers around the world. Help us now, Lord. Help us to improve in these relationships that we get we, we get them right here on earth that we would not be so selfish or self-centered and so i just pray as we read through james 4 11 and 12 just speak to us now In christ's name amen well let's look at james 4 now i appreciate you guys just your patience just there were some things on my heart and i just also wanted just to communicate with you guys i think also it's been kind of a while i've been praying for our listeners just that god would just continue to use this ministry and share this ministry, you guys. Let people know about the podcast. I'd greatly appreciate that. So thank you for your patience on all of that. So now let's go into scripture. And we see here in, in in James chapter 4, verse 11, notice James here, and again, let me just go back in context, because where we left off was, remember, the the eight exhortations that Paul had, or excuse me, had James had mentioned. And the title of where we left off in James 4, 8 through 10 was eight exhortations that will grow your love for God. So this is important as we continue into these three relationships because if you focus on these exhortations, this will make these three areas of your life, God, people, and the law, manifest itself in a greater way. Not in your narrative or the way in which you interpret it, but in a way in which God has orchestrated them to impact you and me, and and that's important. And so, when you do actually go back, and you see, the first thing that we were to do, one of the fir- the first exhortation, was to submit yourself to God. Loyalty, obedience. The second exhortation was to resist the devil in James chapter four verse seven. And so, the third exhortation is: as we submit and we resist the devil, we draw near to God. The fourth exhortation was that we were to cleanse our hands. The fifth exhortation was to purify our hearts before the Lord. Remember Psalm 24 verse four says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. That will prevent you and I from becoming a double-minded person, someone who lacks sincere faith. We're not consumed by the things of the world, but we are consumed in our passion for Christ. And then we saw a run-through of exhortations in verse 9, where we saw the sixth exhortation was, we are to grieve. And then the seventh one is to mourn. The eighth exhortation was to weep. So these are important exhortations as a Christian, as we show true repentance in our life, sorrowful, regretful, you know, actions, caused by the damage of our sin. So James, remember, as, as I'm noted here, he wasn't implying that Christians are to remain in a gloomy state. No, in his ninth exhortation, when he was talking about, you know, mourning and weeping, both the seventh and eighth exhortation that we saw in verse nine, he's telling the scattered church that you are, to put away your scornful, scornful, prideful attitude, like one of laughter, like kind of brushing things off. become come with a repentant, sinful behavior. So now we shift our attention to the next phase after he says in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's the 10th exhortation. to humble yourself before God, that you're to obey him. And so now we see here in verse 11, do not speak evil. That word evil is slander against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges, that means condemns his brother, speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But notice this question. Remember, James strategically places these questions here like a Jewish teacher would. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So let's break down these two verses. So here in verses 11 through 12, James, as I mentioned in the opening, he's addressing three interconnected relationships. So, you guys, the reality is, and this is something we have to not just embrace, but put into practice in our thinking and in our actions. So it changes our behavior, our outlook. These relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with Scripture with the royal law we'll get to that in a minute remember if you remember previously we've talked about the royal law in James chapter 2 so if you remember that good for you if not i'll get to that in a minute to to remind you but these are interconnected relationships you don't have a solo relationship with god that does not in any way shape or form impact affect your relationship with others and vice versa So if you're paying close attention to those two relationships, then guess what feeds into those two? The royal law. Love God, love man, right? Those are the two greatest commandments. And so they're interconnected, you guys. And so we have to be more sensitive. When we attack people, in a way, especially, you know, not just God's anointed, but Christians in general, when we are dishonest, and when we cause disunity you're in essence disrupting the work of god you're causing problems so just like in a family if your parents listening and even my grandparents out there you know that when you have a child just like when you raise your children or you now you have grandchildren or great grandchildren god bless you for that what a legacy You know that when you have a child who's disruptful, who's causing dissension, who's making up things that are not true, you have to call that out and hopefully you do it in love to remind that individual that's not how we treat people that are family, that we love, right? Right? And that's what we need to be doing here you guys because notice he says do not speak against one another brothers. So the first relationship mentioned by James is with you and me with each other. And notice he uses three different phrases here. Remember these are just in this is just in one verse. He uses the term one another, he uses the term brothers, And he also uses what what he does repeatedly, by the way. And he also throws in the term neighbor. Now, remember, James is copying his half-brother throughout the entire letter. And this is the first letter that we have, not from an apostle, but from the leader of the church of Jerusalem. And he's using language that Jesus, his half-brother, used. So James, so what he does is he, he's, so he's referring, this is important because in context, he's talking amongst us as believers. One another, like, right? We are, we are connected with one another. This is a family. These, these are like-minded believers that Peter would later refer to in 1 Peter chapter three. We're brothers identifying, again, children of God and a neighbor identifying that we are to meet one another's needs, Okay. So James returns now when he mentions this and notice what he's talking about. He's talking about speech. You guys, this is so important. And I was reminded of studying this. Why does James continue to refer to speech? Why does he continue to warn the church of the consequences in the duplicity of slander? Remember, James chapter one, 19 through 20. James chapter one, verse 26 James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And then he will mention again from here in, in verse 11 of James chapter 4, James 5, verse 9. Why does he keep going back to this and warning the church? Because to slander means to attack a person's character or to defame their reputation. When Christians, my friends, when you and I slander other people, what we are essentially doing, catch this, we are advancing the work of the devil. Why? Because his name in Greek means slanderer. Wow. Think about that. And so if somebody is slandering you right now, they are essentially not advancing the work of God, but they're, they're advancing the work of the devil. Now, if this continues and it continues and it continues and it continues and you just kind of forgive them from afar, I'll, let me just tell you guys something. And this will shock some of you guys. If this person's been confronted, okay, I'm just going to use the word, let's say several times, okay? Several times, not multiple times, several times. And you got the Matthew 18 in there. You got the Galatians 6:1. You got you know the Romans, uh, fifteen. But they continue to badmouth you, and they don't own they don't own up to, it. they don't ask for forgiveness. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. Pray for them for afar. Give them over to the Lord. But stay away from them, because slandering someone repeatedly is to attack that person's character and you're defaming their reputation you're trying to destroy them and if you can't own up to if that person can't own up to that my friends then you are not a friend of that person you say jay what's if, what if it's a family member i mean there there are some people that you encounter you guys i have not thank thankfully not a ton of them but there have been a few family members well they'll talk smack about me they may not do it in front of my in front of my face but i hear from other family members that's happened you know through, through life. I'm sure it has with you. And you're right. You confront that person in love. You pray with them. You try to pray with them. You let them know how much you love them, how we need to work this out. And if they're not willing to, and they continue to, to, to talk smack or, or say things that you never did, they're making up lies. That's not a relationship. And so you have to pull back. You know, this phrase here, judging his brother. So you're slander. And then in context, what he's saying is you're not just, this is important, you guys. When someone is slandering another person, they're not just attacking their character, defaming their reputation, but they're judging that person. They're probably saying you're not fit. You're not as godly. You don't love me the way you say. Everybody else says wonderful things about you, but if they know what I know about you, That's what he's talking about. So it's not just the break, you know, destroying someone's character, if you will, or putting them down. It's judging them saying, you don't measure up. In Matthew 7, 1 through 5, remember Jesus taught his disciples to refrain from judging others when you are in greater sin. And that's precisely what James is conveying here as well. Christians are not to speak falsely or judge others hypocritically. Now, remember, as I was just alluding to earlier, there are many passages in the Bible because here's what happens, you guys. Here's what happens. People merely say, whoa, 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 Jay, and this man is cancel culture, bulk culture, you know. You're not to correct anyone. Who, Who are you? I recently had a comment on social media when I was responding to the whole Ravi Zacharias thing, who I knew personally, Endorsed the ministry years back, endorsed one of my books, read one of my books, told me that he loved it. At the time, I was thinking, this is awesome. Well, come to find out, which shattered many of us, finding out the sin of, of Ravi Zacharias, who passed away of cancer. But the news about what he was living, a double life, is devastating. Well, one individual from a different country actually read one of my books. And then looked me up and then started to watch a lot of videos and and stuff like that and came upon that video that I did about Ravi and says, you're not to judge God's anointed shame on you. You know better than that. Don't you remember what happened with King David, with the prophet Nathan? Another individual, an atheist was like, why do you Christians always out there telling us how we are to live our life? Stop telling us how to live life. Now, you look at these two individuals, I pray for them, and I ask that you do as well. And, you know, but it's one of those things, you guys, in the first sign, it's like the guy is using King David to apply to Ravi. Well, two things there real quickly, because we're talking about judging, because it's what people do. The Bible says not to judge. Well, the Bible says not to judge hypocritically. We're to judge righteously. And so in the process of doing that is you look at the evidence. And within, with my heart, remember, with a pure heart, the Bible says, we are to work things out with a good conscience and sincere faith. That's what Paul told Timothy, okay? So I approach the Ravi Zachariah situation as we're to pro- approach any situation with, with a good conscience, sincere faith, and a pure heart. I'm not slandering. I'm stating facts. And unfortunately, a lot of the, the, the evidence that you see is is disgusting, but there we have it. Now, what do you do with it? Well, you, you, you help people see the truth. And my goal, my aim is not to be disruptful, not to be condescending, but to be respectful and truthful in the exhortation. Where God leads, by the way. I don't have a right. And I think I need to say this because this applies To all spiritual leaders, we don't have a right to just go into anyone's life and tell them how to live or what they're doing wrong. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And so my link there was because I knew Ravi personally. And he was a mentor of some sorts to me. But when you hear that a Christian is in sin, you need to confront that Christian. I didn't have that luxury, though, when I found out a lot of the truth about Ravi after he died. And so if you are in a, you know, not like in a situation like Ravi, let's say, but you you are in a situation where someone's slandering you or someone's caught in sin or someone's teaching things that are not biblically sound, the Bible gives many passages. The Bible has many passages where Christians are to exhort the other person And to judge appropriately and righteously. So guys, let's not be of this belief that you can't go out there in rebuke. I get it. So many people are so ultra sensitive. I mean, the moment you disagree with someone, it's it's over. You'll never talk to that person again. My wife and I have even experienced that. Or the behaviors of somebody else. And they're completely and totally in the wrong and you're just you're trying to be very gracious about it trying to work through it and the person just kind of says i'm sorry well i'm sorry that happened well i'm sorry i did that but the tone and the attitude they're like offended and i'm sure you guys can relate been on the receiving end and and also you probably have dished it out i have as well what is wrong with us you guys we're sinners and so, but, but what, ha- what makes it worse is when we believe that we don't have a right. When Matthew 18, 15 through 20, 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse 14, 1 Corinthians chapter six, two through five, Titus chapter one, verse 13, Titus two, 15, Titus three, verse 10. The Bible is very clear that we are to exhort people when necessary Again, not, you just don't go around just bashing people, but when necessary. So Paul, is, he, he speaks to Christians that are taking fellow believers to court, remember? So they're going beyond. They're like, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to defame you, slander you, and judge you hypocritically. I'm taking you to court. And so he brings this up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I just talked to a friend recently who something bad happened to him. And so he's calling the guy to make amends. And the guy's like, well, let me talk to my lawyer because I might have to take you to court. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Take me to court for what? Two Christian guys. First Corinthians 6, 2 through 5. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then? matters pertaining to this life so if you have such cases why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church i say this to your shame can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers there you have it we can blow things out of proportion and oftentimes because of pride not humility because we're not following those exhortations and we're not putting this relationship with others first So, the first relationship, you guys, is vital with other people. Now, notice, he says, but if you judge the law, that's the second relationship. But if you judge the law, so notice you judge others, and then you also judge the law. We have to make sure that we are not twisting what Scripture teaches. See, what James was calling out to the leaders of the day, you guys, because they were causing a ruckus in the church. They, what they were doing is they were placing themselves above others and saying, I'm the law and they're neglecting the Royal law. So again, that's the second relationship. If you go back to Mark chapter 12, Jesus said in verse 28, and one of the scribes, or let me just go back a minute before Jesus starts speaking in verse 29 In verse 28, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, he asked them which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most is, the most important is here is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Jesus continued, quoting from scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's the royal law. So they were neglecting to follow that. They said they love God. They're followers of God that they have been given the command to teach the law. But they're not living it because of the way they're slandering and judging other people. So the second relationship, we got to be careful, you guys. We have to have a relationship with the royal law, with what scripture teaches. God in man, the way we love each other. And finally, number tw- in verse 12, says there is only one lawgiver and judge. So then he says, hey guys, the third relationship in order to connect the two, you have to be in right standing with God. Remember, God is not a man. He's the ultimate lawgiver, Isaiah 33 verse 22. And God alone is the judge of the world with equity, with true justice, that is, Psalm 75. I love what the the IVP New Testament commentary series says. It says, quote, James insists that there are are to be doers under the law, which is contradicted when we try to be judges over the law. The law in Greek is nomos, and it could refer to the Old Testament command in Leviticus 19, verse 16, which prohibits slander, and to Leviticus 19, verse 18, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself, which James quotes in James chapter 2, verse 8. The commentary continues to say, given James's reverence for the teachings of Jesus, as the royal law of the kingdom, it is likely that he also has in mind Jesus' specific command against judging in Matthew 7 verse 1 and Jesus' own quoting of Leviticus 19 verse 18. James' point is that if we accept God's mercy through Christ, we place ourselves under Christ's law, which commands mercy. If we then judge others instead of being merciful toward their faults, we're rejecting that law and so setting ourselves up as judges over the law. This contradicts our proper stance as recipients of grace. We are to be doers under the law, end quote. Mercy, you guys. Mercy. God extends mercy to us. We are to extend mercy to one another and that is the reminder of Christ's law, which commands mercy. So it's not law that we need to follow the law to be saved. That's not the point here. In his letter to the Romans, remember, Paul reminds fellow believers that we are answerable to God and that we will stand before him. So the reason, let me just say, the reason I'm mentioning this is because I oftentimes think, you guys, the fear of God is not in us we have to be reminded when we look at these three relationships that we got to get right here on earth. We will one day stand before God and you and I separately, not collectively, but as individuals, as children of God who have been bought and saved through the blood of Christ and sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will give an account of how we serve Jesus on earth. So let me end this podcast by just telling you what, G, what Paul says here in Romans chapter 14, verses nine through 12. Paul writes, for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? See, this is in connection to what James is saying here. But what does Paul do though? He says this, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So you guys go around thinking you guys are these tough little judges. and You correct everybody and you got all together And the process of what you're doing, you slander people and you judge them hypocritically. But you will come before the ultimate judge one day. You will come before the judgment seat of God. And notice what Paul does here in verse 11 of Romans 14. He says, quoting scripture, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. And then he writes in verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So my friends, as I close, I pray that you look at your relationship with God. You look at your relationship with other people and you look at it in connection to the royal law. You're not above it. I'm not above it. We need to extend mercy where mercy is due. And we need to be reminded that all of us will one day stand before Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, and have to give an account of how we lived our lives for his namesake, not for our own. So I pray this passage has been a blessing to you guys. And I pray that if you are in a position where you need to forgive someone, or you are in a position where you have slandered someone, That when this podcast ends, you take time to ask God for forgiveness and get things right with that person. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.